Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. I'm Denise Michaud, Chair of the Grownups Forum and your host for today. Our program is Women's Stories About Passion, Purpose, and Transformation in Midlife. We are honored to have three successful professional women here with us today. They're going to share their stories with us, and they're going to share also ways for us to find our own purpose and passion. And now let me introduce our fabulous panel. Stephanie O'Dell is a personal stylist. She has a full-service agency called Celebrate the Gray. She consults with companies to use real faces and stories to promote positive imaging of aging. And then we have Julia Lucia Reyna. She is a transformational coach. She incorporates brain science with intuition and body awareness. She is an executive coach with Women Leaders for the World, and her company is called Live Align. And last but not least, we have Dr. Barbara Mark. Barbara is a life strategies coach. She is a recognized expert on the stages of adult development and how these stages impact leadership in women. Her company is a time of my own. We are very excited to have you all. And so, Julia, why don't you get us started? Okay. Thank you, Denise. I am so honored and delighted to be here, to be invited to speak for the Commonwealth Club and to be here with Stephanie and Barbara. So my story is about trusting your instincts. I was a pretty deep kid. Adults frequently called me an old soul, and I was fairly quiet artistic, and I like to think and talk about things like the meaning of life. Even from a very young age, I felt I had a purpose, something really important to accomplish, and I was determined to figure out what it was. I truly labored and stressed about this effort for years, and I read many self-help books, and I journaled, and I pondered to no avail. I was also always out of sync with my friends. When they were in college, I was taking time off to work because I only wanted to study if I was passionate about it. And by the time I got back in school to, produce, to uh, pursue architecture and design, all of my friends had graduated and were on to their careers. Time moved on, and I started my own database consulting business, which I loved. It combined my people skills, my love of technical details, and design. And life was good. But then my friends started getting married and having children, and I was still approaching my mid-30s. That really began to bother me it suddenly became very important to be doing and having what everybody else did and had. So I made that my mission. And by the time I was 39, I had what everybody else did, a husband, a house, a career, and two beautiful daughters. But there were problems, big ones. The marriage had shown signs of deep distress very early on, which of course I ignored out of fear because I was on a mission And I was so afraid of not having what everybody else had. The atmosphere in our home, despite the steps we took to try to repair things, grew more and more toxic every year. And by my early 40s, I felt trapped and extremely powerless. I was living a life that on the outside looked picture perfect. But on the inside, there was a lot of chaos and upset. I knew from my early training in life and my own family that the most important thing to do was to put on a good show, to look good to look the part and at all costs, do not let people see the shadow side. So I knew what I had to do. I had to keep quiet and keep up appearances. I had to pretend like everything was okay, even though I knew it wasn't, even though I wasn't okay. Most of the time I felt like there was an anvil sitting on my chest. I couldn't breathe and I didn't dare speak my truth. But the strategy stopped I began having serious debilitating health problems, the most visible of which was severe eczema on my hands. It caused dangerous infections to break out all over my body. And I even had to go to the emergency room once to, because an infection had spread too far. I had to wear gloves all the time. And I remember one evening in a committee meeting at the elementary school, a dad joked that I looked like a Muppet with my fuzzy royal blue hands. And everybody laughed. But I felt ashamed and different, and I knew that underneath the gloves was a secret, that I was really not functioning that well. So after years of agonizing, I decided marriage. It was both the most difficult and liberating thing I've ever done. I remember a few days after moving into a house I 
of the house I rented, which was nestled in the hills, surrounded by giant redwoods. Everything looked so vibrant and beautiful. It was as if I was Dorothy and the world had just gone from black and white to full color. I felt like I could breathe big breaths of air. And my hands, my trusty inner barometer, even returned to full health a few months later. A period of healing followed. And this was a time where I was able to slow down and listen to my own voice. I tried all kinds of new things and I read many, many books. And one day I saw a Facebook ad that had an introductory coaching course. I had never considered coaching as a profession before. And honestly, I didn't really know much about it at all. But I had a niggling feeling inside of me that told me to go for it. So I did. And plus, there was a money-back guarantee. So I figured I could always get my money back if I didn't like it. So the morning of the class arrived, and I was running late, which always puts me in a self-defeating mood. Driving across the beautiful San Rafael Bridge, I thought, what the hell am I doing? It seems so random. I just wanted to turn around and go home. But I showed up. I was the last person in the door, and I took the last seat in a, sem- in a semicircle of 25 students, and I waited, holding my breath a little bit. And within the first five minutes of the class, I felt a rush of familiarity, and I smiled. I exhaled. I felt like I had come home. These people were all talking about things I loved. They were talking about purpose and the meaning of life and values and change and growth and human potential. I was in heaven. I felt enlivened and engaged and so excited. I felt like I had found my tribe. So obviously, I continued on with the program and I became a coach. And now I get to immerse myself in all of the things I love every day. And best of all, I get to guide people on their journeys of uncovering and upholding their truth, finding their friends, and most navigating change, whether it's change that they're choosing or change has been thrust upon them, sort of where we are now. The work is so deep and such a beautiful and humbling experience for me because I know what it feels like to have something in that wants to be unearthed, and I know how life-changing it can be when it happens. It's like the moment when a seedling pops up through the earth and then it just takes off. And it is such a thrill to see what that seedling grows into. What amazes me now is this. I spent so many years working, working, working so hard to find my purpose. Then through an astonishing lack of effort, it revealed itself to me. And all I had to do, and I say all, it it wasn't easy, clearly, was tune in figure out my truth, and then have the courage and find the support to act upon it. What's different now from before is this. I went from a life where I felt like I couldn't speak my truth and where everything felt impossible to a life where I can now only speak my truth and where literally anything feels possible. I turned 50 this past winter, and I no longer worry about being out of sync with others. And in fact... What I know now is that foremost, I need to be in sync with myself. And in that place, only good follows. Thanks, Julia. Um, Thank you, Commonwealth, for having us and hosting this, I think, important discussion about passion and purpose. Um, The three of us have had the last three weeks or so to talk, probably more than that. And we've laughed and we've cried. And um, I know how important it is for your women to really find themselves. And even um, Ms. Life is even harder. And my journey started about 10 years ago. I was turning 48. I was a stay-at-home mom. I had left my career. I had a 10-year-old, a 14-year-old. I was volunteering. I was PTA president, you know, did all the things a stay-at-home mom can do and happened to pick up an Oprah magazine, read an article, find your passion what's your passion? And I knew I was passionate about my kids. I knew I was passionate about my family, my community. But I started thinking when my kids leave, what am I going to do? Who am I going to be? You know, they, they asked the question, when you were a kid, what did you dream of doing? And to even think about that, it was super scary. I, I, I thought, I don't even know what I'm passionate about. How can I start this journey and, and figure it out? Um, 
And I didn't want to be in my 50s and 60s. I'm 58 now, but I didn't want to be in my 50s and 60s and look back and have regrets that I wish I would have just done something. And so I took one small step. I happened to run into a friend of mine that had gotten a job at Athleta. And she started talking to me about the store and the product. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get a part-time job there. And that was just, I had no idea what, where it was going to go, what was going to happen. But I got a job and I fell in love helping women embrace their shape, um, learning how to dress their shape, learning how to wear color. Like I remember the first time, one of the first times I, someone that wore black all the time, I said, let's just put some color on and see. And all of a sudden she looked in the mirror and she's like, oh my God, look how pretty I am. Like she hadn't looked at herself truly um, for a long time. Like she had just resigned herself that she was in her fifties and or older and wasn't an important part of the community that way anymore. That led me to start, start my own styling business. And I really found a love of styling women in midlife, women that had gone through menopause, their bodies have changed and really had started to dress to almost disappear um, to hide their shape. And so learning how to tell a new story, helping them tell a new story and see new, a new vision of themselves um, by embracing their shape and not hiding it. And I started thinking about the need for a fashion line. Was there a need for a fashion line? And I, I had no design background. I had, um, didn't have any connections with designers, but a friend of mine said, start a blog, talk to 100 women and see what the reality is. And I'm a really strong believer that you need to talk to the end user to see if that's what the end user even wants. So I set out to start a blog. I learned how to do WordPress and design the blog. And I remember the first conversation I had, um, I was in Trader Joe's and I looked across and there was this beautiful woman in her 70s, pink tint to her hair. And I thought, okay, there she is. There's my first blog post. And I went up to her and, you know, without having the confidence that I even knew what I was talking about, I said, I have a blog called Celebrate the Gray and you're beautiful. Can I talk to you and just talk about fashion and um, what it means to age and what fashion looks like as we age? And she's like, sure. And it was this inspiring moment for both of us. She said, thank you so much. You made my day. When in fact, she had made my day. I just knew that I was on to something meaningful. I knew in my gut that there was, I had a bigger purpose. I always felt I had a bigger purpose. And, and I kind of had said, oh, my family is my big purpose. But then I started thinking, wow, this is big. This is, we could change a lot of the way that we look at aging. But I had no idea what that meant, how to even go about it. And then I had three kind of things happen that took me, sidelined me, to be honest. Um, my firstborn, my son, left for college, and we were a very tight-knit family. And I honestly felt like part of me was missing, like my arm had been torn off. Um, I was super sad. I would even say I was depressed. My friends that had, I had, our kids had grown up together, um, couldn't understand why I was sad, that I should be excited and happy. And of course, I was happy and excited, but I was dealing with this sadness that I had never experienced. And I had never been one to really share my ultimate feelings or my doubts. And when I did, I was almost shamed for feeling the way I, I did. So it, it made me start really questioning what I was doing and was I even worthy of thinking I was capable of doing this bigger um, mission in life. And so it was a really low point for me. I, I kind of started to give up on things. I continued with the blog. I was still styling clients. Friends were super supportive. Other friends were said, oh, you have to do this. This means so much. And every woman I spoke to was like, oh my God, thank you for doing something. Thank you for talking about this. Um, so I knew I had to keep going. But then my daughter left for college two years later, three years later. And um, financially, we had two out-of-state tuitions. And it, it became evident that I needed to contribute to the bottom line. I wasn't making a lot of money styling and not making any money on the blog, but um, felt like it was my part I needed to really step up. So I decided to get a full-time job. I got a full-time job in another industry. So that was the third. Two was my daughter leaving. The third, I got a full-time job in a completely different industry. And within two weeks, I went, what am I doing? I'm miserable. 
I hated it. And I had to commit to myself. I said, you just need to see this thing through. So I committed myself to finishing the blog, uh, finishing the website and figuring out what was, if there was real possibilities for Celebrate the Gray. So a friend of mine, Tracy, who donated her time, I finished the website and Tracy donated her time as a photographer. And we did a photo shoot with six of the women I had um, interviewed and the excitement and the energy in the room that day when I, and a consignment store donated these fabulous clothes and the excitement and the energy in the room that day, I just knew that this was the kind of thing other women needed to see and feel and be part of. And then the universe entered, answered back. Um, the Marin IJ picked up the, what we were doing and did an article. AARP did a video on Celebrate the Gray for their Disrupt Aging Movement. And I had over 30 gray-haired models reach out to me from across the country saying, I want to model for you. I want to be visible. I want to change the way people look at aging. I want to be part of this movement. So all of a sudden I had this confidence in what I was doing and it really gave me the confidence to become the best version of myself. Not that the other versions weren't good. They were the combination of becoming this best version that I was coming, becoming. And now I represent over 40 women, gray-haired models. We started doing photo shoots and I have companies now looking to use real faces and authentic stories about aging so that we can age with power and not age with fear. And I went from saying, who am I to think I can do this? I can't do this. I had to now saying, I am one of the thought leaders in the conversation about changing the face of aging for women. So gaining that confidence really changed my direction, having my family and friends support me um, and push me along when I couldn't push myself along really made the difference. So that's my story. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you, both Stephanie and, and Julia. I love hearing your stories as many times as I've heard them. I'm delighted to be here again at the Commonwealth Club and to be with Julia, Stephanie, and Denise. So I spent my very young years with my maternal grandparents. One evening when I was about three, I was watching TV with them, and a commercial came on for insurance. The company's tagline was, you're in good hands with Allstate. I had a strong feeling that I was being told I was in good hands with the universe. It was a kind of spiritual revelation for me, even at that young age. And it has remained a theme for me throughout my life. And like Julia, I was often told that I seemed like an old soul, wiser beyond my years. My grandmother and her sisters were constant companions during that time of my life. I loved spending time with them. They were vibrant, expressive, creative, and strong women. That figured strongly later in my life. Eventually, I put myself through college and started reading a lot about adult development, especially midlife. I became very passionate about it. So in my 20s, I was reading everything I could get my hands on about developmental theories and stories about women in midlife. I was particularly interested in Swiss psychoanalyst Carl Jung's theories about the five stages of adult development in midlife. I dove into his work and the writings of other Jungian authors. There was a strong spiritual element to all of the writings and it spoke to me. It was then that I reflected on the fact that my grandmother and great aunts had been in midlife and that further deepened my passionate about it. I went on to and completed my graduate work with my doctoral degree in psychology. I was eventually drawn to the newly developing profession of coaching because of its grounding in positive psychology and its equalized power between the coach and the client. So I became an executive coach and a life strategies coach. I focused my work on professional women, working with women of all ages and at all stages of their careers. I really wanted to see more women at the leadership tables in all professional environments. Then in my late thirties, perimenopause launched me into my own midlife journey. Oh, I was my own case study, an N of one in a midlife longitudinal study, paying attention to my experiences while suffering miserably from terrible symptoms. That went on for years. The universe seemed to be tapping me on the shoulder and saying, this is important. Pay attention to this. 
and I just got married. So it was quite a time of learning about how to deal with growing as a professional, being newly married, and being a hot mess. <laughs> when I arrived in my early 50s, I had a moment of crisis, what Carl Jung would have called the spiritual crisis of midlife. I felt that I was running out of time, that I wouldn't be able to accomplish everything that I wanted to, that I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel like I was going to die, but it was that existential moment of becoming aware of my own mortality. It was a difficult time. A friend in her 70s poked a bit of fun at me, actually she spoke quite a bit of fun at me, telling me that I had plenty of time, that I was still young, that I had all the time in the world. Then in my mid-50s, I decided to narrow my practice down to working with women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, the three most dynamic decades of a professional woman's life and career, and I created my program in a time of my own. It was an incredible moment for me, a moment of giving myself permission to do the exact kind of work that I wanted to do, that I felt I was actually meant to do, to work with women in midlife to support women in their midlife journey of self-reflection, revisiting their sense of purpose, providing guidance and coaching as they move through their career and life choices. Professional women encounter so many challenges in midlife, ageist roadblocks, work-life integration, crises of confidence, not the least of which dealing with menopause in the workplace, something that every single woman faces at some point in her life to a greater or lesser degree, and it is so poorly addressed in our culture, especially in the workplace. I realized that I was now a woman, like my grandmother and grandmas, who had inspired and mentored me when I was younger. I had arrived at the moment when I could be like that of those other women had been for me. And the time thing... Now, as I near 70, I realize that I have all the time in the world, and I still have so much to do. Thank you. Well, thank you all. Oh, that's so inspiring, and I'm sure everyone out there can relate in some way to, you know, one of your stories. So that brings me to um, some questions of my own, um, and th this is for all of you if you choose. Uh, so the first question, why don't we start with Julia, is during your journey, what was the greatest test that you had and what would you say helped to carry you through that? Start with the big one, right? <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think the hardest test, it's, it's the test that I face and it's the test I would say that every single one of my clients faces, which is listening to my own voice and keeping that forefront, despite what other people outside of me say. Um, there are, I, you know, there's always people outside. There's people in my family who, who don't support me the way that I would like to be supported. Um, there's, there's people who knew me way back when. And, you know, having, a, having an idea and conceptualizing myself as something different and something completely new, um, it, it's a vision you really have to hold tightly. So I think what helped with that um, is surrounding myself with people who are aligned with what I'm doing. Um, I've I gained a couple of different new tribes throughout this process. One, the first was sort of women who, who had a more spiritual bent. And that was, that was a place where I could talk about ideas and things I'd read. And then the coaching world um, have the same interest. So yeah, I mean, you don't have to give up everybody you know, but I think Sticking, having a people who who get you into where you're trying to be is a really helpful mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Help me, yeah. What about you, Stephanie? I want you to repeat the question because my brain went. Can you repeat the question for me? What was your greatest test throughout your journey, and what would you say helped to carry you through that? So my greatest test, for sure, was my own self doubt and my own getting in my own way. Um, questioning who am I to think I can do any of this. And what carried me through was my kids coming home from a concert and saying, oh, mom, I wish you would have been with me. There was a gray-haired pro-ager there. You would have loved to talk to her. 
And just knowing <laughs> that things, I was changing my kids' way they looked at aging. Like that was so powerful to me. And the other thing was these women that I was meeting and them saying to me, you made my day. I, I just felt like these, selfishly too, right? Because I'm going to be that woman in 10, 20 years. I want to be noticed for who I am and not put limitations on what I can't do anymore. So the women I met are so inspiring. Um, and then my kids, my family, my husband, who constantly sends me articles about Oh, have you read about this person? Oh, you should check out this website. And just those, the belief and the, again, Julie, what Julie was saying, these people that saw this version of yourself that you saw and gave you the, the confidence to kind of follow through on becoming that person. And Barbara, how about you? Your greatest test and what would you say helped carry you, helped you carry through it? Well, I'm, I would say the, the greatest test for me was... Um, feeling relevant. Um, I was focusing on an area of coaching in, and again, a relatively new profession when I got started in it. Um, and that was focusing on women in midlife and, and addressing issues of ageism in the workplace uh, and, and addressing particularly issues around menopause in the workplace. Uh, it, was, it was a challenge uh, and what carried me through, because nobody else is doing that. Uh, and uh, what carried me through was being so incredibly passionate about the work that I was doing. I was, I was very strongly committed to the work that I was doing. Uh, and, and the women that I worked with uh, gave me the feedback that indeed I was doing just the right thing. Uh, mm. Women were so grateful that I was able to uh, help them to identify what was going on in terms of ageism that they were experiencing and tactics for addressing that. Uh, and also uh, how to deal with menopause. I mean, a lot of them didn't even know what perimenopause was and didn't know what to expect and didn't understand when symptoms were hitting them and, and what to do about them. And of course, the other things that carried me through was my husband is, is my biggest cheerleader. Um, he thinks I can't do anything wrong, which is, which is delightful to have in a, in a spouse. Um, and also grounding in my meditation and my spiritual practice. It, it's a daily activity for me to, to spend some uh, quiet time listening to that still voice inside of myself. So you must have had some role models. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Role models were... Um, my, my grandmother and my, my great aunts, um, there was another, uh, older woman in my life who was actually, uh, a great aunt on my stepfather's side, whose name was Blendina. And she was every bit as interesting and exotic as that name might imply. Uh, she was a wonderful person to spend time around. So she was a great role model. Um, role models, uh, Bernice Newgarden, who uh, was the first woman to really put together a curriculum around uh, adult development. And uh, I was, I was uh, fascinated with her work. Um, and my mother now is, is a great role model for me. She's 89, going on 90, and she is, is strong and, and vibrant and, and playful and actually living some of the happiest years of her life right now. So mm -hmm. I hope to be like her when I grow up. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. How about um, Stephanie? Who inspires you or who have, have, has inspired you? Well, I, I, like Barbara, I have a mother that's 89. She's listening today. She may not like that I'm saying she's 89, but she looks like she's about, she looks like she's about 60. And she has the energy of someone that's in her 60s or 50s. Um, she has a six acres of garden. She still gardens and plants a huge garden every year and a tractor and just inspires me. At 80, she really had to kind of redefine her life a bit um, and started joining some groups, joined Mahjong group and started going to church and took us on a big family trip and um, also saw her start dressing in color, like changing the way she even dressed. And mm -hmm. she's so inspiring to me. She never lets anything get her down and just keeps going. My mother, I'm lucky I have a mother-in-law in her seventies that um, she is young at heart and dances with all the grandkids and travels and it's up for anything. And, um, I had a great grandmother that was lived to 95 and 
I have many of her clothes. I This is actually some of her jewelry today. She was a fashionista, so I think I got my love of fashion from her. And even mm-hmm. up to 95, she was still watching QVC and ordering clothes um, until the very end. So, And then my daughter, who's 19 and um, kind and thoughtful and um, looking at how she presents herself out into the world differently too. Uh, I think that having strong women role models in, in my life have really led me to want to create that for other people if some women may not have those in their lives. And, uh, and then the women I met are so inspiring. Women that are starting careers at 70 and quitting jobs and starting a company and um, not like Barbara, not saying it's never too late to start something new if you're passionate about it and you believe in it. Julia? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I was trying to be polite. Um, you know, there's so many people who inspire me. I, you know, Along my journey, I've done, I really immerse myself in reading and um, videos and, and just books, learning about people's stories. Um, I just finished a book called Supernormal that talks about people who have lived traumatic childhoods and how, you know, what it takes to rise to the, to the level of, of being an amazing person. And I think there are so many heroes that walk amongst us and the people who inspire me are people who have shared their stories. um, People who have talked about hard things and shared what they've gone through and how they've gotten through it. There were moments in my life and in my marriage where I thought I was the only one I felt, so alone. And there were a few stories that people described what they were going through. And I thought, Oh my gosh, that's me. I'm not alone. This is a thing. There's, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. So it's, it's those kinds of people. And then on a famous level, someone like JK Rowling, who, who has something inside of her, who has a story to tell, and she has this burning desire to get it out. Um, and then having done that, it has such an amazing and inspiring impact on others. And then I think the last the last people who inspire me every day are my clients where I, I watch them and I'm on this journey with them where they go from a place of saying I can't and I could never imagine that to risking and taking action and building up and then doing it and just watching them succeed and try and be vulnerable. It's just, it, it fuels my soul. That's, I mean, wonderful for me too, just to have like the mother um, to be uh, an inspiration and role model. I think that's a beautiful thing to see. Um, And then before we go on to giving you people tips on how they can start their own journey, um, now that you're in midlife, what would you tell your younger self? Be patient. I was I, when I started this whole thing. I was so concerned about the, what the end looked like that I wasn't mm-hmm. excited about the journey. And the journey itself was overwhelming. And then the end, the where I thought I was going, was so overwhelming. It stopped me so many times. And so, I think be patient and believe that you deserve these things and that you're worthy of these things. And that you're not asking. You know, I'm I'm super fortunate. I have a great husband and amazing family and friends and a home and we've built a great life, but um, it's okay to want more and it not, you don't have to feel guilty about feeling like, is this the best version of myself? Is this the best version of my life? It's not um, lessening what you have. It's, it's really growing into who you're supposed to be. Um, So being patient has been a really big thing for me for sure, along the way. How about you, Julia? Um, well, I would tell her to trust her, trust your instincts. Mm-hmm. Trust your instincts. You know, you know, you know. <laughs> and I, yeah. I believe everybody knows. Everybody knows their truth inside of them. And if you're confused about your instincts, quiet down and tune into your body because your body always knows. It always has the answers. Um, I would say trust the journey, trust, trust that there's some higher design for all of these random things that seem to be happening. And really importantly, um, make decisions out of love and excitement versus fear. Yeah. Whenever you're making a decision out of fear, know that, you know, that's, that's not the best thing. So that's what I would tell her. 
And Barbara, how about you and your younger self? Uh, I would tell my younger self, hang in there. It gets better. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, I would also uh, tell her to uh, stay strong, uh, stay grounded in in that spiritual belief that you have. uh, Practice your meditation on a regular basis that will support you, that will keep you strong. Um, and, And to truly believe in yourself, really believe in yourself. Be your own best advocate. Um, and I can't wait to hear what my 90-year-old self is going to say to the person <laughs> I am now. <laughs> I think, Julie, you're so right about the gut. You know, so many times we know in our gut what we need to do, and it's our stories in our head or the stories that others are telling us stop us. So I think that learning to really listen to what your gut's telling you, I mean, I, I told my kids that forever, like, listen to your gut, what's your you know, when they're going to go out and be with friends, I'm like, well, if your gut tells you this is wrong, it's wrong. So you need to come home. So Mm -hmm. same thing. Like if your gut is saying, you know, when I talk to women about aging and positive aging, I get filled up. I get, I mean, it's never, it's an ease. It's a conversation of ease. And um, it's just, you know, when you're on the right path and the, Mm -hmm. the gut is such an important guide for that, that we sometimes let our stories guide us away from. So I, I so believe that and agree with you on that, Julia. Yeah. Well, thank you for all that. And so for people who are starting their journey now, what um, tips and suggestions that you have and how they can start? Uh, I always say tune into friends because friends see things in our, in us that we don't always see in ourselves. Um, it, it was interesting working with Julia and Barbara on this talk because they saw things in me that I didn't realize. And I think friends that have known you for years also see things in you that you might not realize. So that's a really good barometer uh, to get started. Do a vision board. I always believe a vision board, putting, pulling things from internet and putting together a vision board really will give you some direction that you may not even be aware of that you're interested in. What else do we talk about, you guys? We, yeah. We've well, talked I, about this I, a lot. I have a lot of Hire a coach. <laughs> Barbara and Julie, hire a coach always helps. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I would say is, is to make sure that you're, you're really uh, listening to that still voice inside. Um, there's, I want to agree with Julia, there's an incredibly strong intuition that we all have. Uh, and it's so, uh, we learn so much by listening to that still voice inside of ourselves. And so to be quiet and, and allow that uh, to come to the surface. Um, and, and I love everything that, that Stephanie suggests about, you know, how to use external um, opportunities to explore things. I love vision boards. Uh, those are a great activity. Um, and also to take a journey back into your childhood and, and explore what were the things that, that were fun for you to do? What were the things that you were intrigued with when you were uh, a little girl? Uh, and, and remind yourself what your interests were, what was fun for you. Hmm. Yeah, part yeah. of that, that um, article I talked about in the Oprah magazine, that was one of the things. What did you dream about when you were a kid of mm-hmm. doing? You know, what kind of magazines do you gravitate towards? What kind of shows do you watch? What's um, one thing that you would not ever give up? Um, you know, those are really good indicators of where your passions and purpose lie. I think yeah. getting parts of um, joining meetups, there's all kinds of community groups. There's a new Revel, has a, there's a new group for over 50 women that you can meet other women, you know, just talking to people and putting it out in the universe is amazing what happens when you say to somebody, I want to figure out what I'm passionate about, what my purpose is, and I have no idea what that is. Like all of a sudden, you'll talk to someone and go, wow, that's super interesting. I want to explore that a little bit. And it kind of takes you on a journey. And you, that journey may be a short road, but it may open up another road. So it's kind of just being aware of what the universe is giving you. Mm-hmm. Do you have any suggested meetup groups for people? Well, Revel's a great... Um, new organization. It's revel.com. Hello, revel.com. And um, it's for women over 50. And it's all about learning from each other and gathering. Um, I've become really, well, the three of us actually are involved with Revel. And um, it's offers a lot of dynamic learning and oppor- social opportunities. So it's an easy way to get your brain thinking about things. 
And, you know, I would like to add um, from, from the coaching perspective, um, if life purpose is a pretty big concept, it's pretty, um, it can be intimidating and not everybody feels like they have this big life purpose, but one thing that everybody has that they don't realize they have is values. And I would highly recommend spending some time that you don't have to work with a coach, but spending some time doing some values work because that is something that I return to and my clients return to. I know it's very dorky. It's sort of like coach lingo, but um, knowing your values and knowing what's important to you, it can be a guidepost for every single decision you make every day of your life. Um, just as an example, I was very nervous giving this talk. I'm, you know, I'm sort of introverted. I'm a behind the scenes kind of person. And I just kept going back to my values, my three values, authenticity, courage, connection, and you know, am I going to live by those values or not? Like, what's it going to be? So ways that you can find your values are um, you can think about life experiences that have been very meaningful for you and why they were meaningful. Um, you can think about, um, you know, where the emotion is, what makes you cry, what brings up, you know, what chokes you up. There's something in there that to you. Um, you can do it from a, from a perspective of negative experiences, like what really pisses you off. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it, it really angers you when drivers cut you off and it's, it's about respect or consideration. That's a really important value of yours. So I would highly recommend getting to know yourself and delineating a list of what's important to you. It's different for everybody, but, um, it does serve as a guidepost. Other things that, um, are, are, I find important for, for the women that I work with are looking to how they can make their greatest contribution. What's meaningful for them? Uh, what is it they want to bring to the world? What is it they want to bring to the organization that they work within? Um, and then as women look at to, to the possibility of retiring, uh, they want to look to what they want to contribute to the world uh, after their professional work, or maybe they want to do a different kind of professional work. What is it that they want to bring to the world? What gift do they have uh, that they want to share? Uh, and so, so many of us as women want to make the world a better place. And so I believe that every woman uh, has inside of them a gift to bring to the world. And how do they want to go about doing that? Mm -hmm. I think, Julia, can I just make one point, too, about Julia? That's such a good um, point about the overwhelmness of finding your purpose, your passion, that, um, you know, it, it says maybe it's volunteering for an organization. Maybe it's spending more time with your grandson or granddaughter. It doesn't have to be this big shaking the world up kind of thing. It's if it fills you up and gives you purpose in your daily life, um, I think it's just as important because I think the over the talking that can be so overwhelming that women don't do anything because it's too overwhelming to even think about. Excellent. Excellent. Well, so it, uh, it's time to get some questions from the audience. And our first question is from Susie and for Barbara. Um, do you find the challenges to be different in each decade, 40s, 50s, and 60s? Uh, I sure do. I sure do. So women in their 40s um, are striving in their career. Um, developmentally, they've gotten to the place where they're really um, coming to their own. Um, they're no longer looking for necessarily approval so much from the outside uh, and, and really looking to strive. Uh, and women who have children are raising children. Um, and so there's that uh, determination um, to find some kind of work-life integration uh, during that period of time. Um, and then menopause, you know, most women are going to go into perimenopause in their 40s. And so uh, I have clients who are uh, perimenopausal and have teenagers. Uh, God love them. <laughs> talk about talk about being a hot mess um generally women in their 50s are uh at the pinnacle of their career uh or or you know not striving as much in their career um and and some women looking toward um 
what's next a little bit, um, but really looking to what kind of contribution they want to make. Um, there's there's also the the experience of being in uh, late 40s and early 50s of um, what you may be familiar with is the happiness curve, the U curve, uh, and at the bottom of that uh, curve is uh, what many people experience as the the least um, happy time of their lives, and and I often attribute that to um, that moment of, of sort of existential crisis that happens uh, in our late 40s, early 50s to mid 50s, um, where uh, lots of things begin to happen. There are uh, people leaving you in, in your life, either through um, attrition, um, friendships sort of moving off in different directions, uh, death that happens uh, in our lives. Often um, people are losing uh, relatives, uh, aging relatives, sometimes parents. And so it's a difficult time. Um, and also it's that perimenopause, menopause period of time. And then as women move into their 60s, again, the, 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 they've reached a point developmentally where they've, they've become uh, more settled within themselves, more sort of self-accepting and, and appreciative of all that they have and all that they bring to the world. Um, it, it's a time of, of um, self-reflection and self-acceptance uh, where everything sort of comes together of a piece. Um, and a lot of the women that I work with are uh, looking to what's next in their lives. Uh, what do they want to do? You know, and, and maybe it is volunteer work. Maybe it's some sort of philanthropy. Maybe it's um, some manner of artistic expression. Um, maybe it's a totally different career than they, than they might not have even thought about pursuing uh, earlier in their lives, but then now they feel an incredible permission to do so. Um, and as we live longer and healthier, um, that ex experience goes well into uh, 70s and for some women, 80s. It's very exciting. Exactly. Well, let's take another question from Joanna. Do you have any suggestions for how to find mentors or role models like yourselves? who have changed course in midlife? Julia? I would say find a, find a subject matter or a, a, some kind of a, a place that you're interested in pursuing and, and start getting to know people there. Um, you know, for me, like I said, it was sort of these, there was a spiritual group. I'd read some books and, you know, never really, um, never really talked about my woo-woo side <laughs> to anybody. And when I, when I was divorced, I, I sort of let myself go into that world. And there were so many women, there were so many people who were so much farther ahead on their journeys than I was. Um, I didn't even know about the coaching thing yet, but I was just, I was just astonished at, at how much there was in that world and how, how excited people were to talk to me about it. Um, but then if you, if you have sort of a more, um, you know, an area that you're definitely interested in, just, just start network. Um, I mean, I, there, there's private Facebook groups, to be honest, that, that can be very good sources mm -hmm. of sharing. Um, you can share private things that only the people interested in that subject matter get to see. And I've actually gotten a lot of support in many areas from those kinds of groups. Yeah. Just a couple of ideas. There's a couple. The What Women is a really good Facebook group. It's a closed group, and once you join, but it's a place where you can just post a question. Um, I've started menopause, and I don't know what this is all about. And so women will support you and help you. And there's also Pretty Women. I, I don't have it, but I'm happy. Anybody that wants to contact me, I'm happy to help. Um, and I agree with the Instagram. Go on Instagram or Pinterest, and if there's people that inspire you, reach out to them. I have learned... It doesn't hurt to ask. You never know what somebody's going to say. Um, and I will direct message anybody. And I've been astounded at the people that say, yeah, I'll talk. Um, when I was building the modeling agency, I reached out to all the gray-haired models I could find, the famous ones in New York. And 90% of them talked to me and told me what they were making, how it worked. Um, so I think women, especially in midlife, are about collaboration and not competition. So I'd strongly encourage you, get on Instagram, get on Facebook. If you find someone, reach out to them, direct message to them and say, hey, would you mind talking? 
I'd love some advice. Um, don't be afraid of doing that because you, you'll be amazed at the amount of yes that you will get. Let's see what else we have. From Allison, how do you work with women to face their fears and to think about taking risks for themselves? Maybe they've never taken big risks before. That's a big question. Small steps. Doing one small thing can be a catalyst for a big change. Hmm. So maybe it's going to an event by yourself. So you go with a friend and, you know, all of a sudden you meet somebody and now you've, you're going to go on a walk with that person. It's just doing one small thing, you know, starting an exercise program. So like go for a walk, put on some music and go for a walk. Mm. Um, I think it's, it's not conquering that fear completely, but it's taking one small step. I don't know, Barbara, you guys have worked one-on-one with clients. So you probably have more, but I know that's what started my journey in a very positive way was not doing something so overwhelming that it overwhelmed, you know, some big thing that overwhelmed me, but it was one small step. And that just kind of, they all build up, right? They all add up. Yeah. I'd have to agree with that, Stephanie. It, it really is, um, taking baby steps. Um, not trying to have some, uh, enormous revelation or, or, or transformation, um, but to, um, well, I mean, there's a philosophy, face the fear and do it anyway, but <laughs> I think that it's, it's helpful to be able to have some, some hand-holding along the way when you're facing a fear and uh, taking small steps and, 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 yes, reaching out to people that you trust, reaching out to people that you feel will understand and, and support you. Um, who won't laugh at you when you're interested in doing something that, that seems like something you've never done before, but will encourage you. Um, and, yeah. and to allow yourself to be playful about it. Julia, what do you think? Yeah, yeah I agree with small steps is always the way to go. Um, from my perspective, I think what I try to do is um, I get people in touch with that part of themselves with the desire um, that is, you know, I know it's, some of us don't even know what our desires are. Some of it's like, I desire a cheeseburger. Yeah. You, know, you don't know what you deep, but, but the, the idea is to get in touch with what you want and start to understand your why behind, behind the desire. Um, I don't know if people are familiar with Simon Sinek, the start with why, but the why is a powerful propeller and if you can make the desire really big and, and um, magnify it, then the small action steps to start moving towards that don't feel as intimidating because the outcome is so desirable and so pleasant and so exciting to think about. So if you can get in touch with the reason why you want it and just elevate that and get into the yummy feelings and what would it be like and what would it smell like and just get into the full experience of it. Um, that, that often makes the steps seem a lot less intimidating. So we have a question about menopause and I know that's um, <laughs> a hot button for Barbara. <laughs> um, this is from Lulu. How are we in the workplace supposed to deal with menopause? How are, which say the question again, how are, how are we in the workplace? Oh, in the workplace. Oh, deal with menopause. Uh, I tell you that I, you should contact me. I could tell you more <laughs> than I'll be able to tell you right now. Um, first of all, it's, it's finding someone that you can talk with. Um, finding some confidant within the workplace. Uh, one of the things I hope to be able to do in the near future is to bring some um, uh, how to become a friendly uh, menopause-friendly workplace uh, to support women. Um, uh, if you if you have a an employee uh, employer, uh, your next your manager or or whoever you report to, uh, someone that you can trust or or someone uh, within the managerial environment that you can trust. Um, see if you can address, uh, some of your concerns. Uh, maybe you need a flexible schedule. Maybe you need some time off. Um, maybe you need to be able to, uh, uh, move to, uh, a different setting. Maybe you need to be more, uh, near, uh, some open, um, uh, surroundings, uh, not so claustrophobic. Maybe you need to be near an open window. 
Um, and also really taking good care of yourself. Uh, a lot of what women will experience uh, that is really uh, difficult in the workplace are experiences of, of profound fatigue, um, anxiety, and um, sometimes a lowered mood, maybe sometimes even some depression. Um, being able to not get enough sleep is, is a very typical experience for women going through menopause. So um, really taking good care of yourself, uh, finding a good menopause specialist to work with. Um, the North American Menopause Society has uh, a feature on its website where you can put your zip code in and, and contact a menopause specialist in your area. Um, because many OBGYNs and certainly general practitioners aren't going to be able to give you uh, very good information about how to manage your symptoms. Excellent. Well, we have time for one more question coming from Kathy. Do you have recommendations for executive women in their 40s who experience significant grief, like a death of a parent, and find it has sent them off the track from their career? Julie, you want to start with that? You know, I'm sorry to say I don't have recommendations for that. <laughs> I think um, Ben Steph might have a better option. <laughs> I've, yeah, I'm going to pass on that, but I, but I send love. <laughs> mm -hmm. Stephanie or Barbara? Stephanie? Well, I, I work with women in that situation mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, it's... Well, self-servingly, I will say get a coach um, and, and someone who's familiar with what it means to uh, have lost uh, some lost track uh, in the corporate environment or in the professional environment. Um, someone who's going to support you and believe in you and isn't going to be uh, uh, personally um, influential or overly invested the way um, a spouse or a close friend might be. Um, and uh, look to mentors that you have. Look for other women in your environment who uh, are women that you trust or, or other men that you trust, mentors that you've uh, worked with in the past or are working with currently. Um, and, and it may be that you're you're done in that particular environment. Uh, it really depends on, on what you're confronting, but it may be that you're just done uh, in that environment and want to be doing something else. Uh, or maybe you're uh, in, a, in a situation where the, the people that you're working with are non-supportive. Maybe it's a toxic team. Um, it's pretty individual, but take yourself seriously uh, and let yourself get the support that you need. Well, I know that um, a lot of people are looking for clarity on what to do next. And you are, you'd like to offer your contact information to people to have people reach out to you and maybe you can help them take the next step. So why don't you give our viewers the best way to contact you? Why don't we start with Julia? Oh, well, I just want to say one thing about the grief. <laughs> I, may, I, thought it's like, I just want to say, um, you know, emotion is such a beautiful part of being human and it is such a such a part that I think our culture uh, encourages us to bypass mm. and to, to move through and to stuff down and so to anybody who's grieving especially now there's so much loss um, to, to really give yourself space to feel all of those feelings and to experience them because that's how they move through us and um, you know that's what makes us human that's what makes life rich so don't bypass the grief that would be my advice. And anyone who would like to contact me, my website is livealigned.net, L-I-V-E-A-L-I-G-N-E-D.net. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Stephanie? Um, thank you. Uh, my website is celebrate the gray and mm -hmm. gray with an A.com. And please reach out to me if you've gone through menopause and you're body is not the body you remember and you need help dressing it or if you are gray and you want to model or you have someone that has inspired you and think I should reach out to them um, I would love to help in that way and also if you're starting your journey and just want to talk to somebody I love talking to women and helping them just get clear on how to start and not be so afraid by the whole process excellent and Barbara how do the people get a hold of you Sure. Um, 
my website is uh, a time of my own.com and I can be reached at Barbara at a time of my own.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, ladies. It's been wonderful, inspiring to hear your stories and your advice. Our thanks to Julia Lucia Reyna, Stephanie O'Dell, and Dr. Barbara Mark. That concludes our program here at the Commonwealth Club. Thank you for watching. You've been listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting our work and help us bring 500 programs a year to listeners like you. Go to commonwealthclub.org slash donate. Think your way around the world with our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live at our events. Thank you for listening and for your support. Thank you.